In the world today, sexual intercourse outside of marriage is common. It's even flaunted before our eyes. It might be a little different if the church knew what Paul has to say about sexual intercourse outside of marriage. Did you know if you have sex outside of marriage, you become one flesh with that person, even if the person is a prostitute? That's exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul says, Know ye not your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them the members of an harlot, prostitute? God forbid. What know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. Then in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18. Paul said, sexual sins are different from all other sins. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, Paul says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. According to the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you have sex outside of marriage, you become one flesh with that person. Now, how do you get loosed from being one flesh? Look at your human body. You can try to get loose from the little finger on your hand. But the only way... You can get loosed from the little finger is by cutting the little finger off. Sexual sins today are so rampant because these teachings have been left out of the church. Another doctrine has come in to church groups saying God loves you and wants you to be happy. God forgives you for everything and wants you to be happy. Well, it's true. We are past sins. We are forgiven. And the blood of Jesus Christ covers our past sins. But if we go out and sin willfully, after we have the knowledge of God, what then? Peter says we're, we would be better off never to have known the right way. That's in Second Peter chapter 2. We would have been better off not to ever have known the right way than to know the right way and go out and sin after the knowledge of the truth. This is a terrible problem because if you try to do that and then you confess your sins again, the Bible tells us there is no more sacrifice for sins because you would have to crucify Jesus afresh. I can go over these scriptures with you. If you will look at Hebrews chapter 10, 
Verse 25, we the church are told, exhort one another. That means to urge them earnestly by advice and warning. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so much the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Why does it need to be more warning at that time? Because it all gets wilder. The delusions increase in both the world and the churches. The devil knows his time is short, and so he becomes wilder. We need strong exhortations at this period of time before Jesus returns so we can hold fast to the truth of God. And it says do it even more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Even more exhortations. So it's a very serious matter. So it says, exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 10, now verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despot unto the Spirit of truth. After you know the truth, after you're born again and you know the word of God, to go out and willfully sin. There is no more sacrifice for your sin because Jesus will have to be crucified afresh. Hebrews chapter 10. Now, look with me at Second Peter chapter 2. Start at verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein in the world and overcome, in the sins of the world and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness then after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is returned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. The apostle Peter tells us in Second Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 20 through 22, Peter said it would be better for them to have never been born again than to return to their sins after they're born again. When the woman taken in adultery was brought to Jesus in John chapter 8, he said, go and sin no more. Many people after they are born again 
go right back in to the sin they had been doing before they were born again. That's what we're talking about. So it's extremely critical that we are exhorted in the real Word of God from the Holy Bible so that we'll be warned, don't do those things. Now there's another very powerful scripture on this subject in Hebrews chapter 6. Start at verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance. It's impossible to renew them again unto repentance. Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Here is a very sad story that happened to me. I attended Word of Faith Church from about 1977 through 82. Our Bible teacher of our Sunday school class was a divorced man, and at one point I heard he had a girlfriend. None of us at the church had ever seen him date anyone, but I heard that he had a girlfriend. So I went to him and I said, what is this that I hear about this girlfriend? And he beat around the bush. He was very evasive. And I said to him finally, are you having sexual intercourse with this girlfriend? And he said to me, of course. I said to him, oh, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can have no more to do with you. He said, that's right. He really didn't care. He's the teacher of our Bible class, of our singles class at Word of Faith at that time. I could no longer attend that Bible class with our teacher committing fornication. Why could I no longer do that? Because of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what Paul said we are to do in the church. Paul said, don't judge the world. For if you did that, you'd have to go out of the world. Then in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says, But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator. If he's called a brother in Christ and is committing fornication, the Bible tells me I can't keep company with this man. That's the reason that I said, you know the Bible as well as I do. I can't have anything to do with you anymore. And he replied to me, that's right. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer 
or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. He says, Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So this Bible teacher knew that scripture, but he's committing fornication in secret. And I found out about it, and he confessed he was doing that. And I said to him, I can't even keep company with you anymore. I can't come to your Bible class anymore. And he said, that's right. Now this goes on in the church. This goes on where people know it's wrong, where they know sexual sins, sex outside of marriage, fornication is wrong. Adultery, of course, is wrong. And they continue to do it, knowing it's wrong. And that's the ones that Peter said it would have been better for them if they had never been born again, Second Peter chapter 2. So it's a terribly serious matter. We don't expect sexual sins in our churches. But my goodness, I've seen, I've been propositioned more by men in churches, propositioned for sex, more by men in various churches than I ever was in the world. Even at the age of 15, I went forward at a Church of Christ, was baptized in water, not born again, but baptized in water, and thought I was a member of the church. And a young man who was about my age at the time, 15, asked me to go out with him. And we were in the car, and he said, I've bought some rubbers. I want to have sex with you. This is a man in the church. This young man's father was an elder in the Church of Christ. But at the age of 15, I knew it was wrong. I didn't know the scriptures that I know today, but I knew it was going to be a big sin against Christ, and I refused. Later at churches, I was propositioned over and over by men in the singles class. One man in our singles class at Word of Faith told me he was a prophet, and he may have been. We went out to a church meeting one night. We went together to a church meeting. We came back to my apartment, and he walked in my apartment with me, and I said, would you like to have coffee? And he said he would, so I was making coffee. When I came out of the kitchen, he was standing there totally naked. This is a man from our singles class at Word of Faith who said he's a prophet. I fled. I just left my apartment. I grabbed my keys. I didn't have my purse. I didn't have anything else, but I, I mean, I just fled. And I got to the car and drove away, and I parked a few blocks where I could see the front of my apartment building and watched for him to leave. And when he had left, when I saw his car drive away, I went back to my apartment and locked the door. Some are naive enough to think 
sins don't take place in the singles class at church. You're wrong if that's what you think. I've had many experiences with men at church where I had to flee. I went to Clovis, New Mexico, and was building an apartment beside my mother's house. And a man from a concrete company was an el a deacon in the Baptist church, in one of the Baptist churches in Clovis, New Mexico. And he was very friendly to me, and he was doing some concrete work for me, and we were talking about the project. We were in my apartment talking about the concrete project. And he said he wanted to have sex with me. I was just, of course, shocked. This is a deacon in the Baptist church. I even knew his wife. I mean, I knew his family. He had a wife and children. I got up and went into another room, got my Bible, and I came back and I read this section of Scripture aloud to him in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 because he said, God knows we need sex. Have sex with your own wife. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says to avoid fornication, you have, fornic you have sex with your own wife. You have your own wife. That's 1 Corinthians 7. This man had his own wife, but he was trying to get me to have sex with him. A deacon in a Baptist church. So I got my Bible and I came back into the living room where he was sitting. And I took the Bible and I said, this is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 18. Excuse me, starting at verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. And I focused on verse 18 with him. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And I closed the Bible. I don't remember another word being spoken by this man. He just left my apartment. But I heard later that he had propositioned other women in the Baptist church. I just can't imagine how tragic it could be if he propositioned a younger woman. I was about 38, 39 at the time this happened. And I had read a lot of Bible by that time. I was born again a few years before this happened. But what about a teenager? What about a 15-year-old girl that's sitting there at church and has learned to respect the leaders of the church, and this man is a deacon in her church, and he does this to her? What about her? It's almost like the child abuse in the Catholic church, that the priest abusing young boys in the Catholic church, having sex with young boys. This is horrible. 
I don't know anything worse than that. But this is plenty bad, what this guy did. This man who's probably 50 years old and owned a cement company and was a deacon in the Baptist church. There's so much sin in churches. Well, if you know the scriptures where Paul says, even if you have sex with a prostitute, you become one flesh with that prostitute. And it's a sin against yourself. How do you ever keep from being fragmented after you do that? If you have teenage children, sons and daughters, you certainly should read this section of Scripture to them and talk to them about sexual intercourse outside of marriage and give them this Scripture. A lot of young people just don't have any Scripture to hold on to. It's not strong enough to say it's a sin against God. That's not strong enough. You take this Scripture and you read this scripture aloud to them and have them follow along in the Bible, it might keep them from this sin. It's the only thing that I know of that is strong enough on this subject. Verse 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. Verse 16, what? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? If you have sexual intercourse with this harlot, you're going to be one body with her? For two, saith God, shall be one flesh. Verse 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. There is so much sin going on in singles classes at the churches where men and women, they're set up basically so men and women can meet each other. The ones that I have been in have been filled with divorced women hunting a husband. It makes sense. If you are born again and divorced, where would you find a Christian husband? Well, you would hope to find one at the singles class at your church. Now, I have not been married, and I am not divorced. And so I was looking for a husband at the singles class. I wanted to marry I know what it's like. Here's another story. This happened to my best friend and her husband. At the time I was born again, I met her right after I was born again. She had been raised Baptist. As a young woman, she went off to Italy for a on a Fulbright scholarship, and she met a young man that she fell in love with, and she wanted to marry him, but he was Catholic. So to marry him, they insisted she become Catholic, so she went to the school which teaches you how to become a Catholic, and she 
took those courses offered by the priest, and she and this young man married. They came back to the United States to live here. He divorced her. She was devastated. Now, this was all before I met her. But she was devastated, and she had a job teaching first grade, and she was attending a church and going to their singles class. At the same time this happened, a man in the church who had a wife and three children, his wife died of cancer, and he needed a wife and wanted to remarry. So he came to the singles class at the church, obviously totally in order to meet a woman to marry her. There were two women he selected from the singles class, and he was trying to decide between the two women which one to date to see if she might be appropriate to marry. Well, he chose Donna. The one problem is Donna didn't tell him she'd been divorced. Matthew 5.32, Jesus says, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, he had been taught this. He had been taught not to marry a divorced woman. I don't know that he knew, had actually seen the scripture, but he knew the truth. He knew not to marry a divorced woman. Anyway, she didn't tell him that she'd been divorced until he fell in love with her. And then she told him before they married that she had been divorced. They married, and I met them later after they had married. And, by the, and then I was a Christian. And I said to Hal, if you had known Donna was divorced, would you have ever dated her? And he said, no, I don't believe I would have. But it was just too late for him then. He had fallen in love with her, and the flesh ruled over the Spirit of God. Because had he taken the Bible and looked at Matthew 5.32, it says, Whoso, Jesus said, Whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. He could have gotten that scripture strong enough in him that he would have broken off that marriage. But only by the scripture can we ever overcome the flesh. Only by the scripture and the power of God in the word of God do we escape this flesh. We will have this flesh as long as we live on this earth. And it is a matter of overcoming through the word of God. And that's the only thing strong enough. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus is speaking to the churches. And he says, in verse 5, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, if he overcomes. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. After we are enlightened to 
the truth of the word of God. To sin against that truth is a very serious matter. He that overcometh will be clothed in white raiment and I will not blot his name out of the book of life. We're born again and then we see various scriptures and we conform ourselves to those scriptures. Flee fornication. So we flee fornication. I just, when that man was standing there naked, I just broke away with grabbed my car keys and drove away from my apartment, leaving my apartment unlocked. Him inside. He was inside my apartment when I left. Flee fornication. For every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.